There's something in the air. It may sound funny, but it's a paradigm shift for decentralized wireless infrastructure. It's powered by the Helium blockchain. Today, we welcome Nick Hawks, otherwise known as the Gristle King to the show, to discuss how this people-powered network can help seize back power from the major telcos. No, that's not methane you smell in the air. Well, it might be. I mean, Travis is here. But it's the infrastructure for something new that we think you'll find fascinating. Now it's your turn to suck a balloon and sound like a chipmunk as you join us for episode number 602 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition. Who's bad? Welcome to the show, people. It's the Bad Crypto Podcast. I'm Joel Com, and that is Travis. It might be methane, right? That's it. When you said there's something in the air, and I was like, how did he know? I, had, I was on mute. I had so, my shit on mute. Because I saw you eat elote before. And of course, those of you who know what elote is, yes, there's corn involved. A lot of oh, corn. Oh, man. Elote is street corn. It is the best kind of corn. And basically, they put like a like a, it's like a, it's like a, um, they don't a put chipotle. In, in America, you put butter on it and, and salt and pepper. Right. In Mexico, they put like this. It's not mayonnaise. It's like a chipotle mayo kind uh-huh. of thing. Uh-huh. But then like some coteja cheese. And then like, I, I is this so good? And then they add like some, you can add sriracha to it or whatever. Or sometimes they'll roll it in Cheetos dust. So you get orange Cheetos all over you. It's so good. I don't know. I don't know how they thought of that. But Cheetos corn is amazing. It's a beautiful thing. I wonder if anybody's ever like done Rice Krispies on their corn. I don't know, but I, the first time I ever had it was at Dodger Stadium. That's where I got the Cheetos Elote. And nice. Oh my god, it is so. It was it was so good. I ate that, and I was like, oh my god. I think I saw Jesus. Uh, it was Jesus. He was. He was and, and, and he said, "Man, don't eat that." <laughs> he was like, "Oh man, have another one." He said, "Have another one," and so I did. I, I, at a ballpark, I had a first as well, probably about, I don't know, eight years ago, I had a deep fried Twinkie at uh, the Rockies baseball game in, in Denver. And man, that is some nasty stuff. Like oh, Twinkies man. are nasty already. Deep yeah. frying it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is just, oh, yeah. nobody should eat this. Crazy. this is, yeah. Yeah. If you ever go to Kansas city, uh, to Royal stadium, like sometime I'll just have to go. There's a thing called brisket tachos there. So like these nachos, Except they have creamy, they have like cream corn, and then and then uh, on top of tortillas, and then baked beans, then some coleslaw, and then I'm an amazing scoop of brisket, and then a helping helping of a barbecue sauce. It is called brisket tachos. It is good. I love them as well. I don't want to taco about it. You don't want to talk about it? I'm right. not your friend. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, gang, the Brave Wallet is the first secure crypto wallet that's built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. No extension required. Store, manage, grow your portfolio, get NFTs and multi-chain support, and more. Things we're not even telling you about. Download the Brave privacy browser. Screw Chrome. Go to brave.com forward slash bad crypto. Click the wallet icon to get started. Put it on your machine. Uh, what I love about it is how it syncs my bookmarks through all of my uh, installations of Brave. So like on my mobile device, on my iPad, on my different computers, they're like all the same bookmarks because they're synced up. That makes it real easy to- uh, Joel has a lot of computers. He's got like 14 computers. He's super, he's got to have one. He's like another computer in each bathroom. There's an iPad on every wall, right? It's an iPod in the bathroom. It's an iPod in the bathroom. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
Hey, we had a great interview for you guys today. You're really going to enjoy this uh, discovering what the Helium Network is all about. You might find that you want to get a node yourself. So let's get into it. You may have heard talk on this show or other places about the Internet of Things connecting all the things in a way that all the things are connectified. Sounds high tech and nerdy and and maybe it is but one of the ways that this will happen is by connecting wireless all across the globe well what if that wireless was not centralized and owned by the major telcos but was owned by we the people and that is what the intent of the helium network intends to accomplish it's helium.com is the website and uh, we don't have a representative from the company instead we have a gentleman that is called by his name nick hawks but he goes by the gristle king and he was voted the most valuable community member at the helium 2021 noble awards for helping people understand the ecosystem and since he's good at explaining things and we're good at asking questions and not knowing things until we have somebody explain it to us nick aka gristle king welcome to bad crypto good sir yeah thanks man it's like to be on the show it's like to help people understand and uh, you know step a little bit more into the whole blockchain and meat space arena right so, on gristle king gristle king i think that's what we called my stepdad because his stakes were always yeah. horrible Oh, grisly. <laughs> well, hopefully this won't be horrible. Um, like, no. like your, yeah, like his stakes. So yeah. let's let's start at the. Um, the no, ground. first of all, we got to get the elephant in the room. Nice mullet, dude. Thank oh, you. That is an epic mullet. We, I would be remiss if I did not shout that out immediately. Thank you. Yeah, my wife thinks it's super fun to cut my hair. I let her do whatever she wants. And a year and a half ago, she started in on this mullet thing, and I just kept running with it. Nice. Would it be a, a mullifant, Travis? The mullifant in the room. Mullifant in the room, dude. I, I'm from the. I'm a child. I was. I was growing. I grew up in the '90s, late '80s and '90s, and so mullets were huge then. I, and I had a sweet. I had a sweet perm mullet. Like that's a serious '80s thing. Part short on the top, part party in the back, but with curls. Oh, that shit was tight. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So uh, Nick has gone full Billy Ray Cyrus and, and we're here for it. We're here to break his, we're here to break his achy, breaky heart. Uh-huh. <laughs> Travis, eat your wings. I'm going to ask a question about mm. things. So let's start at the ground floor here because you need that in order because then you put helium and it lifts off. What is helium? Sure. At a very basic level, helium is the idea that you can apply a blockchain to really to the physical world. And so we think of it as a blockchain plus meat space. And in this case, you're taking radios. So there are radios on someone's house, they're building on the side of a mountain, and they are both transmitting and receiving radio waves. And in that sense, they're providing radio coverage. In return for providing that radio coverage, uh, each helium miner is rewarded with tokens, just like almost any other uh, cryptocurrency or any other blockchain. And the better the coverage you provide in general, the more tokens you get. And so Helium had figured out this way to really incentivize the growth and the, the rollout of a wireless network, which hadn't been done before. Um, super exciting stuff was that it started off, I don't know, two years ago, kind of the Helium, the company started in 2013, but really started cranking about two years ago. And they had maybe a thousand, 2000 hotspots is what they called mining rigs in the wild. 
And now we fast forward to March, 2022, and we got something like 680,000 hotspots out in the wild. So it's the fastest rollout of a, a wireless network anyone has ever seen. And that has been really driven by this HNT, by the token uh, creation kind of per miner. So that's, that's the beginning of it. Well, that is fascinating. Um, so if you put these things on your, on your roof or wherever, so it's transmitting, you know, we've heard a lot about, oh, cell phone towers are emitting a lot of, of, of these uh, EM, EM, EMF waves or whatever they are, sure. and uh, electromagnetic frequency, EMF, yeah. Is that happening with these also? So technically, yeah, they are like all of these things, all, all wireless devices, including the Wi-Fi, you know, uh, access point in your house emits EMF or emits, emits radiation. So with hotspots, and especially right now, they emit basically one or two bursts a day that are less than a second each, and they're really small energy. So the, the first um, wireless protocol that Helium built this whole thing on, which is what most people who are familiar with Helium um, are using, is called LoRa, L-O-R-A for long range. And it's a radio protocol that's designed to have really low power um, and send packets of data really long, long distances. So it's really small amounts of information, really long distances. You can have a miner to miner or what might be called a gateway to gateway connection that can be over 200 kilometers over water. And over land, it'll be 30 kilometers, but it'll be a really small amount of data. It'll be something like a 10-digit grid coordinate or the temperature of soil or whether or not the sun was shining or how much rain fell, like really small pieces of information that go really long distances. For most people, um, the amount of time you spend holding your phone to your head will give you way more exposure to this than having a helium hotspot in your house. So let me get this straight here. I get one of these devices here which is basically a router, a hotspot. And yep. then I'm mining HNT cryptocurrency when when people use it. That's that's the that's pretty that's much the, it in a nutshell, right? It, yeah, that's that's close to kind of the long-term piece. So there's two really big phases to the helium project. And right now we're still in the first phase, which is incentivizing just the the deployment of these hotspots. Okay. And that incentivization happens because the hotspots can basically talk to each other. So they send and receive signals amongst each other. That's not really helpful for the long-term and that's not why the network is being built long-term. The network's being built long-term for this IoT, for this internet of things idea. And that is not gateway to gateway, that is sensor to gateway. So right now there's not a lot of useful work being done in the mining sense because all the gateways are just talking to each other. There's very little data flowing through the network. What'll happen over the next couple of years is we're gonna see more and more data flow through the network and that will change kind of the amount and where rewards come from. Right now, most rewards come from a hotspot um, hearing or receiving signals from other hotspots. They don't, not, not many rewards at all come from data being transferred, but that'll eventually, eventually change. Look at this, Trav. If you go to explorer.helium.com, this is where all of the hotspots are. And you can see over the last 30 days, they've grown by over 74,000. And we yeah, can zoom in, zoom in to our land, brother. All right, so if we go into uh, Puerto Rico down here, you can see there's a bunch in the San Juan area, and uh, you know you're up here, Luquillo. Oh, there's a couple in Luquillo, huh? How about that? Yeah, yeah, that might be. Is that your house right there? Are you? Is that your kind of pretty close? It might be. It might be. Pretty close, and down not. here, don't, don't be stalking me, peoples. Uh, there's there's a few here in Palmas del Mar. In fact, it looks like the area that I live. There's uh, th there's some here, like directly. Um, there's coverage. So how would I, how would I know? Like, is there a way I can go on my cell phone and search for a network? Would I see it? 
Um, we could go to mappers.helium.com and that will show you uh, recently mapped areas. Yeah, mappers.helium.com will show you the recently mapped areas. That's probably the easiest way to start that. And we'll see that just like you can see San Francisco here is all green. Um, you can cruise over to Puerto Rico and, and see if anything's been mapped locally. The other way is a little more tech kind of hardware heavy is you'd buy what's called a helium mapper. Maybe you'd put it together and, and do it yourself and you'd see what areas had been actually covered. Now, and unless someone has done that and it looks like they haven't in Palmas del Mar yet, um, you won't see any actual coverage. But I don't know, for the price of 40, 60 bucks, you can buy one or build one yourself. And then you could literally map the coverage that's in Puerto Rico, which will help in the long term um, folks who are thinking about using the network determine whether or not it's going to be useful for them. Nice. Are we going to be able to communicate to people one-on-one? -on -one? Like if we know that like, you know, shit could hit the fan in the world, right? There's some crazy stuff going down. And um, would we be able to use it as like sort of long range radio? Like, well, you could, is that going to be a really, possibility? That'd be a really hacky way to use it. So it's designed for the network, this network, this LoRa WAN network, a long range wide area network is designed for sensors to talk to gateways and basically get their information on the internet. So um, two classic use cases, one is tracking. So you've got all these helium hotspots all over a city is that if you take a tracker and you just hold that tracker, put it in your bag, put it on your car, wherever, uh, because all these hotspots are providing wide coverage, you can track a vehicle or a person or whatever all over the city. Maybe you're tracking cattle over rangeland. So tracking is one of the big use cases. And then the other one is kind of smart agriculture. And there's lots of other kind of smart, smart city, smart, et cetera. But smart ag is the next one that we can think about where you put maybe a soil moisture temperature sensor in farms. And instead of, you know, relying on 3G networks, which can be pretty expensive per sensor, one of the big fundamental offerings of helium is that the sensor data is really cheap. And so you can put a, a lot more sensors in the ground and you can get a lot more frequent readings on the data that you're getting. So it may be really important to farmers to know what the soil temp is, what the soil moisture is, the amount of sun hitting the ground, all of that stuff. In fact, I'm part of a project where we just started deploying to a farm up in Idaho. And as soon as we put the soil sensor in the ground and started getting readings off it, the farmer's like, oh man, I didn't realize the soil is too cold. I'm going to hold off for another week before I plant, I think it was potatoes. But I think that's the that's the kind of promise of the IoT in general and really why Helium started with IoT is because there's so much uh, blue ocean kind of area to, to really develop for ourselves as a normal person. Let's broaden those practical applications a little bit because I really want to get a picture of some of the different use cases that you see happening and maybe just kind of go through a bullet point list of we can do this and we'll be able to do this and this and this. Yeah, if we if we zoom way out and we think of when we go back in time or go back 10,000 years to hunter gatherers is that a hunter gatherer knew everything about their local environment. They knew where the fox slept, they knew where the rabbit goes, they know where the good food is, the water, all that stuff. But they couldn't transmit that information really beyond their tribe. There wasn't a way to share that data across the world of hunter gatherers. If we come in and they and they had a really deep understanding of what was going on. IoT in general, not helium specific, but helium certainly enables this. IoT in general allows us to have or to begin having that same really deep understanding objectively of what's happening around us, of, of different temperatures, just like whatever is going on, whatever you can measure, whatever is measurable um, can be measured. And then we can put that into, um, into, the syst into a system through the internet. So whatever dashboard, whatever data visualization piece you have, and that data that is now really, really um, refined can be shared throughout the world. So anyone can see what's going on as long as that you know information is, is decided to be shared. Um, 
we can all kind of see that um, giant amount of information together. And ideally, we all begin to make much, much better decisions. So that's kind of the big picture. If we look into specific use cases, it really becomes what's the problem that you're having? And then how do we like, what do we need to count in order to help solve that problem? And so that might be the number of uh, people that walk by a business versus walk into that business, right? And you might drive your advertising spend depending on how many people walk by versus walk in. You might see like, okay, when we put this in the window, we get more people walking in versus when we put that in the window or we have this bright light or whatever it is. Now, a lot of that stuff we've done up until now, just on our gut sense, like I run a little business. We have a little cookie store here in San Diego. And we have kind of a, a halfway idea of like, okay, we're on a busy street. We don't have objective data on how many people walk by the store versus walk in the store. All we know is how many people buy cookies when they walk in the store. And so what IoT is doing is really allowing me as a small business owner or anyone um, from small to medium to large size business make better decisions based on data. So if we go into something like FedEx, FedEx might start tracking their pallets, their planes, um, their packages with a network like Helium, that starts to change what we all know about, you know, kind of shipping stuff all over the world. So there's lots and lots of different applications. It's really what what's the problem you're trying to solve? So if somebody wants one, one of these um, sensors, like how much how much do they cost for folks to, to access them or to snag them? How many different types are there? Because I look on the website and I see it looks like there's different versions of those. So what are the details if somebody was like, oh, damn, I want to get some helium all up in my life. And how can they do that besides going to the balloon store? <laughs> the balloon store is a, it's a great start, but it's the wrong track. So let's think about this. It's You can buy kind of two different things. One thing is, is and it, it is confusing. We're, we start jumping into kind of technical stuff pretty quickly, but we'll break it down into, you can either buy the thing that is mining helium. So a helium miner, also called a hotspot or a gateway. So hotspot, gateway, miner, all the same thing for this conversation. And that's the thing that provides the coverage. And that's what you get rewarded for. The other thing that you can buy is a sensor, and that sensor is the thing that provides the data. A sensor sends the data to a miner. The miner sends it basically onto the internet, and then you can see that data. I think what you're asking is, where would you buy a miner? Because that's the way you're going to earn helium. And there's probably two big ways. You can either go onto the manufacturer's site, and if you do that, you should go through the helium. So just the same way you've done here is gone from you know helium.com, found the... Um, basically allow list for, for people who can sell miners. You found Freedom Fi and you buy a Freedom Fi miner. Now, one of the big problems in Helium right now is that uh, for a while, the earnings were so insanely good that demand shot up unlike anything most of us have seen before. We're all used to Amazon sending us something tomorrow for you know the thing we bought today or maybe two days. With Helium miners that you buy from the manufacturer, some of those wait times are 12 to 20 weeks. And people are obviously freaking out about that. So you can either go to the manufacturer, you get a slightly lower price and you get kind of a known thing. Or what a lot of people are doing is going on eBay and buying secondhand miners. And because the um, the incentive was so great at some points is that miners on eBay would sell for 10,000 bucks. So you could buy them direct from the manufacturers for 500. On eBay, they were selling for 10 grand because a well-placed miner in spring of 2021 could make, I don't know, 15, $20,000 a month at a cost of whatever it was, 10,000 bucks on eBay or, or 500 bucks up front. So there was this insane demand. It's now calming down. In general, miners are gonna run, let's say four to $800 and they're gonna be at your door, whatever the manufacturer says, but it's not gonna be tomorrow. So here I am on eBay and I just looked up um, Helium Miner and I've seen this here. Um, I'm seeing some stuff here like antennas and wall mounts. These, This is not the actual 
minor right here. That's right? correct. That's, yep, that is not the actual. That's not the actual. So we're looking minor. for like one gonna of be, these. Yep. Yeah, 400 bucks. And so Finestra is a, a newer company. They're kind of figuring out what's going on. This Rack V2, these guys have been making the miners the longest. And so they're in general pretty darn reliable. The Bobcat down at the bottom is another one that's been making um, hotspots for a long time. They are also really reliable. There's kind of, I don't know, I'd, I'd hesitate to say blue chip uh, miners just because the market isn't really that developed. What we are seeing is one of the things you're um, seeing here is that people bought a ton of miners back when the rewards were insane. And now they're seeing that they can probably make more selling those miners than they can make, at least in the short term, mining helium. Hmm. The thing that nobody knows is what's HNT, which is the token. What's that going to be worth? Today, it's 23 bucks. Three days ago, it was 25 bucks. You know, four months ago, it was 60 bucks. And 12 months ago, it was seven bucks. So it's crypto. It's batshit crazy. You know, you could lose everything. Don't invest anything that you can't afford to lose, that kind of thing. Um, but we're looking at something here that's never been done. And so, you know, when I look at this and I say, okay, what's, what am I making HNT wise today? I'm not really worried about today. I'm, I'm more looking at what do I think the future value of HNT is going to be? So, so with, oh, go ahead. With the, this doesn't uh, leech off your existing bandwidth. This is like the, I don't, or is this connect to my existing network, my centralized yep. network? Yeah, this is, this um, connects into your existing network. So a helium miner needs two things. It needs power and it needs connection to the internet. The power it needs is about the same as a light bulb. So five watts, you know, something, or sorry, a, a low um, power light bulb, five watts, not very much at all. The internet it needs right now, and this will be true for about a month and a half, and then this will change significantly, is anywhere from 80, sorry, 50 to 100 gigs a month, right? Because right now a helium hotspot is sinking the, uh, big parts of the blockchain and the blockchain has gotten pretty darn big. What'll happen in about a month and a half is the miner will no longer have to keep a copy of the blockchain on itself. That will shift over to helium validators and a helium hotspot will have a much lighter load on your kind of internet demand. It'll go down to something like hundred megabytes um, a month from hundred gigs, which is where it is now. Well, I guess my question is if it's using my bandwidth and you know, other people are using it, then how much does it end up taking from, what I need. Almost nothing. And any kind of, um, well, it depends. So any kind of first world connection, you're not going to notice at all. If you think of it in terms of, it's like having a heavy Netflix user in your house. So if you've got a kid who watches four or five Netflix movies a day or three or four or whatever it is, depending on the kind of network day, that's what it's like. And if your um, connection can handle that, you're going to be fine. So my question is, <clears throat> as Joel tries to ask his fourth one in a row, my, my I just have so many questions. I want to know. <laughs> and you have a mouthful of chicken wings. So, you know. Well, it's because you kept asking questions. Um, no, my question would be around this is how do you know it's a good area? Because people, do you want to have one where there's not a lot of miners right now? You want, because there's one in San Francisco where there's a shit ton of them. You're probably not going to make any money there. But if yeah. I'm not here in Puerto Rico, um, and there's not there's only three around me. Is that a better place? But is it not highly trafficked enough? How do I know what data is going to be pulled and what's going to do? And how how do we know? And how much does one yield on average? Sure. Those are all great questions. So we'll go through them one at a time. So how do you know uh, where a good place to put your miner is? It's really the Goldilocks zone. And you you almost nailed it um, kind of without any pre pre screen there, which is great, is that you don't want too many. You don't want too few. On the too many side, you're probably looking at, um, I don't know, like 50 within a kilometer. You, know, like if you see most cities right now are overly dense. On the too few side, you probably want at least three or four around you. 
Now there's some really complex math that goes into deciding exactly how many you want around you and how many, you know, exactly how many you want to connect with. But in general, if you're in a place with, let's say between four and 50 miners around you, you're probably in a pretty good place. Now there there's caveats there to how densely those are packed. You don't want 50 miners in the same building. In general, you want one miner every kilometer or so. Now that's very general. Um, that can change significantly because there's a bunch of scaling kind of pieces that go into the equation is as you have more and more miners, you can have slightly more miners uh, before your rewards get scaled. But in general, you're kind of looking, I want somewhere between four and whatever it was, 50. Uh, more than that, and just the rewards start to go down. Now, it doesn't mean you're guaranteed to have rewards go down. And if we think of this in the sense of what does a great miner placement look like? It'll be somewhere where the antenna is up high and that antenna has a really wide view of civilization because what we're pretty sure of is right now there's about 680,000 hotspots on the network. It's probably gonna to grow to 3 million hotspots on the network by the end of the year. That's what the manufacturers have announced as far as how many are gonna be deployed. So that means almost all kind of, let's say civilized areas are gonna fill in. You're not gonna see these in the middle of the Amazon, um, but you're probably going to see them in every small city, even village and town, um, at least in the first world, if not second and third world as well. So that's the, the first piece of it um, is getting the, the antenna up high and where it can see a lot of a lot of civilization around you. The second piece is how much is it going to yield? The average uh, hotspot right now earns 0.11 HNT per day. And you can see that on heliumanalytics.io. You can see what the global average is and what it should be. In general, right now, it's about 0.1 HNT per day. HNT right now is, I think, 23 bucks. So $2.30 a day. So you're doing, you know, $2.30 times 30 days a month. And then you've got a whatever, five or 800, whatever it is you spend on eBay. Um, and you look at your payback there. Does that make sense or did I go too fast? It does. No, does the, um, does the antenna need to, you know, go in a window or does it need to be outside on top of your building? Ideally, it's outside and on top. And that's just the way that radio waves work is if you have it inside, they've first got to punch out through your walls. And because this is low power, they can certainly do that. Like the radio protocol is, is robust enough that the signal can go through a couple walls. But just like anything else, the less obstacles it has, the better it's going to do. And so if you can get your antenna um, outside and up high, it will typically perform much better than if you keep it inside. So it comes down to like how much effort are you willing to put in to, to earn rewards? And sometimes that difference can be significant. So as an example, all of my hotspots are outside across my little fleet of kind of my publicly facing hotspots. Um, they do about four times the global average. And that's just from being outside up on, up on mountains. Whereas if you have one inside, it'll be usually this or a little bit below. Hmm. Very cool. A lot of stuff going on on this. So you get yeah. one, you got to put, put it on your roof. And then, but you were also talking about these miners versus the validators. So what's coming on with the validators in a month and a half? Is there an opportunity there? So if you're validating, does that end up helping you earn uh, helium as well? Yeah, you will earn helium as a validator, but it's not a great investment, especially compared to the rest of crypto. So the validator piece has a couple aspects to it. First, you're going to lock up 10,000 HNT, so 230,000 bucks right now. Uh, the yield on those is somewhere around 5%. It may have dropped a little bit by now. The more validators you have, the lower the yield goes. When we first thought about doing a validator, it was like, oh my God, the yield's going to be you know 19% we're going to crush it. And now with so many validators all kind of working is we're splitting that, splitting those rewards out and the yield's gotten lower and lower. The other downside of a validator is that once you stake it, it's a five and a half month cooldown period. And so really validators are probably most for 
let's say like helium true believers and also folks who got in on helium early so they had a ton of hnt tokens they don't want to sell the tokens but they don't want them sitting there doing nothing so at least here they're earning whatever it is three or five or seven percent so the validators are not for i wouldn't suggest them as as a way for people to enter into helium um, you're much better off in, in a lower lower risk is just buying a helium hotspot i validate you there i did that for nothing didn't even didn't even cost Pretty. you a stake so it, give us the vision here five years down the road what does the uh, the infrastructure look like and you know if helium has their way what's our connected world you know how's it going to operate sure so this this iot piece the current helium hotspots that are deployed out in the wild is just the first step of what helium um, has has set out to do and what they've really set out to do is say, hey, we're going to use this as a test case. IoT was low-hanging fruit. No one really cared about it. We're going to see how well we can build a network and how well our incentives work to build a network. The next steps for them are going to be doing the same thing on every other protocol they can find. So they'll do, do it on 5G, which you're seeing on the site. So you'll be able to put up a 5G tower on your house. You'll provide 5G coverage for people on their phones around you. And this is the catch. As long as those people's service, uh, whether it's Verizon or T-Mobile or AT&T or whatever it is, has a roaming agreement where they can roam onto the Helium 5G network, you could be roaming onto, onto Helium's network. And the person who has that 5G antenna on their roof will be paid for the data that flows through their, their 5G unit. Now, all that data is pretty darn secure. The way that, um, probably the easiest way to explain it is that if you could hack into Helium, you'd probably be working for the NSA because you'd be making a lot more money. <laughs> um, but what Helium has said is, look, we want to do this for every wireless network and for every data flow that we can find. So whether it's cable internet, whether it's 3G, whether it's 4G, whether it's Wi-Fi, whether it's Bluetooth, we want to make it so that people can provide coverage and the people who provide the coverage get paid for providing that coverage. And that's very different than what we have now. We've got you know, four or five kind of major telcos who provide all the coverage for all of us, and we all pay them, in some cases, a couple hundred bucks a month each to use their network. And because Helium has said, hey, we're going to make this whole thing much cheaper, um, what we can expect to see over the long run, if they succeed, is that our general costs for communicating will come down, and we will also each have the ability to provide coverage for other folks enabling a much more decentralized network and ideally, you know, better for the people in general. I recently heard about something called packet, which I just pulled up. Maybe you could tell me what the difference is. This is pkt.cash, always mm -hmm. accessible internet. What are, you know, what, what's different here that these guys I, are doing? Yeah, I haven't seen these guys. There's a, there's a oh. bunch of these different ideas where there's another one called pollen. Um, I think pollen.io where all of us or all of these companies are looking at the same general thing is how do you provide coverage um, or how do you allow normal people to provide coverage? How do you incentivize normal people to provide some kind of, of wireless coverage or even wired coverage in a way that, that they're going to want to do it? And so whether that is IoT and it's on you know, 915 megahertz in the US or 868 in Europe, or it's 5G, which is 3.5 to, what is it? 3.7, 3.55 to 3.75, whatever it is. You know, it's on that or it's Wi-Fi or whatever it is. There's another one called um, RevoFi that's doing uh, Wi-Fi stuff. Like all of these different projects are all circling around this same idea is that they want to decentralize the ability for uh, people to provide coverage and get paid for that. It, it appears to me that the way Packet works is you just kind of give permission for 
you're, you know, it, I don't know if it's leasing bandwidth or exactly how it works, but I just love that, you know, this is so nerdy and mm-hmm. I love any attempts we can make to decentralize, um, you know, what's been going on because, you know, here, here in Puerto Rico, at least I know we're not alone. There's very few choices for right. your internet. Right. And it goes out, it goes out. I mean, I pay for a half a gig here. Um, I pay like 170 bucks a month. Ooh. Yeah. It, and there's, you know, I can get um, a satellite instead and it might be yeah. a little bit cheaper, but you know, you're kind of, you're kind of stuck with, with what you got. The word is yeah. that they're laying gig Google fiber here, but things move kind of slowly here. And yeah. PR. And it's Google fiber. I'm not sure you would want Google fiber. Right. I'm actually looking out the window here in LA on my hotel room. And it says become a gigillionaire with five gig uh, internet from AT&T five <laughs> gigs. I want five gig. I want one gig. I used to, you know what I was, I'm, I'm from Kansas city. So I was one of the first to have Google fiber and uh, it was awesome to have super fast internet for the longest time while, while Google was stealing all of my data. It was awesome. Yeah. Or you, you were probably giving it, giving it to them as well. There's, there's an awful lot of giving and stealing there. So yeah. Giving and stealing, but then they were watching all my porn habits and everything. It's just, you know what, they, they could be exciting. You could be an exciting. Nobody, nobody wants well, to see watching that. It. I got, I got good taste in porn. So after a gig is is Terra, right? So eventually the speed's going to be fast enough where we've got terabytes of data, you know, per second that we're we're putting through. I'm pretty sure like humanity will be dead by then because that's a whole lot of information flowing through us at all times, yeah. damaging yeah. cells and stuff in some ways we don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the you know one of the big concerns with all these different pieces. If you have normal people putting up a, a higher power antenna on their house, how do you manage that? Now, a lot of that stuff gets managed just from the on the FCC side in the U.S., where Helium is saying, "Hey, we're going to use this very specific band that is that is licensed, or it's basically called unlicensed. It allows anyone to put these up." But yeah, these are these are all the things that kind of we have to go through as we start to decentralize the entire world, not just wireless networks. Is it it kind of requires folks to have a better understanding of their world where for the last 20 years, no one really had to know, except for the engineers who made it, how to use a phone, right? You just picked it up, pushed some buttons, and it was totally native, is that this whole decentralized piece and blockchain in general, as I'm sure you guys are into, is really empowering people to to know more about their world and and through that knowledge to gain more control over what they earn and do and have freedom to do. So 20 years ago, I was like like a drug dealer with my pager because only drug dealers need pagers. They said, yeah, right. Why would you need a pager? Why would you need a cell phone? Only drug dealers need cell phones. Why would you need right. crypto? Only drug dealers need crypto. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not too are. far from uh, the truth. <laughs> History repeats itself. Well, right. hey, Nick, we appreciate you coming on and sharing with us today. The website is gristleking.com. You can follow Nick at on Twitter at the Gristle King. We'll have links in the show notes. And uh, thanks for enlightening us about the lightness of helium today. We will be checking it out. Right on. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Chewy Steak. That was awesome. Welcome to the other side of the interview. We hope you guys enjoyed that. Hope that you know more now about people-powered networks than you did when you started. And um, yeah, thanks, Nick, for coming on. You are the Gristle King. The Gristle King. Uh, Yeah. That was interesting, you know, because I didn't know a whole lot about uh, about helium other than, you know, the voice changing stuff that we experienced earlier. Yeah, yeah that was great. So, yeah. The, and there's some other stuff that's that's coming out that's similar to helium that, that we discovered that 
Um, I think we're under NDA or Friendia, but we can maybe talk about it later on. But there's some great stuff that's uh, great stuff that's brewing as the world becomes more decentralized. Isn't uh, helium is the second item on the table of elements, right? <laughs> like hydrogen is number one, and then helium is is um, what do they call it? A, a noble gas. Right. It's, it's one. It's a it's a very noble gas. Sometimes when we fart, it's, we also like, <laughs> look very noble. I like to call it Sir Lord Helium an ignoble gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the things that's really exciting, Trav, and we'll do a nifty show about this in the not too distant future is really excited to be working with Sylvester Stallone on the Sly Guys NFT project. The discord is now over 10,000 people and you can get whitelisted to get a Sly Guy. If you collect three or more Sly Guys, you're going to get a ticket for a dinner in Miami where you're going to get going to go hang out with Stallone. He's going to give a talk, you're going to have dinner in the room, and there's going to be 25 golden signature one of ones of the Sly Guys that are auctioned on OpenSea on Mint Day, which is April 28th. And if you buy one of those, not only do you get to go to the dinner, not only do you own a one of one that's numbered with Sly's signature on it, he signed each one separately, but you also get the VIP experience at the dinner where you get to meet him and take photos and shake his hand and say, yo, Adrian. Uh, it's going to be great. Go to planetsly.com and check out what's going on with that. And we'll have a nifty show in the not too distant future. Uh, trying to get Sly to come on, but he's shooting a new show uh, right now, Trav, in Kansas, of all places. It's like a really? mobster type thing. Hey, shooting a TV series. So I don't know. It's by the City? same same people who uh, who made Yellowstone. Okay, nice. Yeah. He's a busy dude. He's been making lots of content for lots of long times. And uh, planetsly.com. That's Sylvester Stallone. He's a hell of a guy. Go check him out at Planet Sly. Sly, Sly. He's the hell of a guy. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We do appreciate you being um, in the audience. We consider you part of our community. Of course, you can join our Discord at any time at discord.gg forward slash hero HQ. Join the fun and more episodes of Bad Crypto with more interviews and discussions coming your way. So we'll catch you then. And until that time that we meet again, go back and listen to all the other episodes we put out there and stay back. Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. It really is. They are. They really are episodes. They're not episodes because we're odd. So they're episode. That's good. Or at least we should be an episode for every time it's an odd number. Episode 603, episode. Would that make the others episodes? Yeah, perceivance. <laughs>